Hello, this is the Black and Asian Therapist Network podcast. My name is Eugene Ellis. In April, Barton held its seventh annual conference. This year's theme was leadership, purpose and self-care, which focused on inspiring us towards our aspirations as therapists, facilitators and leaders, whilst ensuring that we take care of ourselves along the way. This episode of the podcast will feature our opening guest speaker, Jackie Holder. Jackie is a trainer, intuitive facilitator, executive business coach, speaker and author of three books, Soul Purpose, Be Your Own Best Life Coach and 49 Ways to Write Yourself Well. She believes wholeheartedly in creative expression and self-care for those working in the helping and caring professions. In her talk, Jackie inspires us to develop more moments in the day when we can feed our creativity and feed our self-care. This is Jackie Holder. Welcome, Jackie Holder. Morning. Morning. How are you all doing? I feel like it's an absolute honour and a a pleasure to be here. Um, And I really want to talk about self-care and what it means. I'm not sure that I'm going to be telling you anything that's new or different for you. But I hope that the journey that will travel, you will ask yourself some questions that will help you to deepen your connection to your own self-care. Eugene just described that the group of us gathered here are the pioneers. For me, it's, it's very, I feel very, very honoured to be amongst you because I certainly know that when I was a young woman working in Hackney, I needed people like yourselves. I needed you reflected back to me. I needed your therapeutic input. So for me, it's really important that we are giving back to ourselves. Because time is short, I'm a little bit cold. Can you do something for me in one minute? Can you just stand up and just find someone that you don't know and hug them? Yeah, I like to have a warm group when we're actually talking. Can you actually smile at the person? See, I can feel the energy now. I can feel all the warmth. See, we didn't want to stop that, did we? a lovely feeling and you know this is what self-care is about you know for me it's not just about standing up and talking about the physical elements of self-care for me it's about you know what uh, what self-care is on an emotional and a spiritual level just thinking about where to start obviously we're all aware of some of the eurocentric pioneers in terms of therapy in terms of carl rogers but it was helpful for me to see this quote by him to recognize that Not only um, in terms of our own journeys and certainly in terms of my own personal journey, other people in the field have gone to where I have gone to. There have definitely been times in my journey where I felt like I had been burnt out, where I've been overwhelmed, where I know that the level of self-care that I had been given, that I was enabling myself to give to others, I was not giving that to myself. And there was a lack of congruency between who I was being on the inside and what I was doing on the outside. And if we just think about that, because what I read later on was that Carl Rogers actually created a ritual of every summer of going away by himself for three to four months. 
and are really allowing himself to fill back up in terms of his inner reserves, his spiritual reserves, his emotional reserves. Sometimes we don't even give ourselves a day. Sometimes we don't even give ourselves half a day. What does that actually mean? So in terms of Serge Banyan, Hanyan, um, from Universal Medicine, the founder of Universal Medicine, he said this quote, and I think it's quite important. He says that the true delivery of service actually begins first by delivering that same service to the self in every way and to others, e.g. clients, colleagues, by the same manner that are within the organisation, the team, or before any organisation, or, I would add in their individual, can truly serve. So I suppose the first point of the inquiry is, how congruent do you feel you are being in terms of how you are serving yourself, in terms of your own self-care, your own inner alignment, your own inner well-being, and how that manifests on, um, on the outside? I am trained as an interfaith minister, and for me, my ministry is a part of my work. It's a part of how I learn about myself, the challenges that I have, the mistakes that I make. All of that, for me, masks the terrain of my work, as well as working with individuals, creating rituals and ceremonies. For example, you're going to have a closing ritual this afternoon. For me, these rituals are such an important key part of when we talk about our self-care, about creating those rituals for ourselves, and also how we think about how we embed those rituals and those ceremonies into our work with our clients. I often go into very toxic organisations working leaders, working with leaders and managers. I go into rooms that if I don't get in there half an hour before, it will really swamp and really create an atmosphere that is not conducive to a session that is really about working with the spiritual well-being and health and wholeness of people that we are working with in a one-to-one basis. So therefore, if I am not doing those things for myself, if I am just getting up every morning and running to my computer and looking at the 300 and plus emails that have shot through the night suddenly, miraculously, and I am not taking time to meditate... And when I talk about meditation, I'm not talking about huge amounts of time. I'm probably somebody who's got a bit of spiritual ADH in terms terms of just being able to focus for a long period of time just doing one thing. My mind's always racing. There's lots of ideas being generated. So for me, it's about actually taking quality time. That could be about seven minutes of um, really taking my breath, and becoming more mindful, or doing 10 minutes of meditation. But there are certain principles in Buddhism that I think I really resonate with. And I really love this quote. It says, you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love. So often, in terms of the work that we are doing, we have to ask ourselves, what is the intention, what is the purpose for us? in terms of the work that we are doing. I know that because of my own dysfunction in my my family, some of the things that happened to me as I was a young child growing up in my family, there was a duality between a healthy family that was loving and nurturing and there was also dysfunction in terms of some of the things that I experienced. 
And that created a real disconnection for me. And what that means is that often I was always searching, often searching for approval. I was doing things for the wrong reason. I was drawn to a career and a path that would, I was trying to find a way of making myself feel better about myself. But if we think about this um, principle of, of the Buddhist, it says you're, you're searching for someone who is more deserving of yourself. We're looking to, to find others. But actually, who is more deserving than yourself? And that is the first port of call in terms of starting with who we are right here, right now. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserves your love and affection. How's this resonating with you? This is where we start. So, my work... I love to use the metaphor of trees. I love trees. I love nature. That's where I go up, go out, and I fill up, and I replenish my world. We all have different places or different ways in which we actually do this. I really like this quote for this reason, and I see it a lot in my work. Um, I was coaching um, somebody uh, this week who is a leader in an organisation, and he sent me a message before our coaching session and he said something to the effect of um, I'm not going to be able to write my assignment, he's on a coaching program that I'm running, can you do a verbal assignment with me and it was all of like one sentence, one line and the energy that shot back through me when I read that email was one of somebody who was stressed who was feeling overwhelmed, who didn't really have the time and the capacity to really just take a breath and be with themselves. Eventually, we did manage to fit in a a, a coaching session. And it started, if I had a temperature gauge, it started very cold, where he was describing all the things in a way which I felt that he thought he just needed to get through and tell me that he was doing But as the minutes unfolded, it got warmer and warmer until we got to a point where he began to tell me about how overwhelmed he was feeling and we had a conversation about self-care. And it turned out that whenever, and this is possibly something that you may have experienced at some point, I certainly know I have, is that often when things feel on top of me, what do we often do with self-care? It goes out the window. It's the last thing on the agenda. And the way back in is really to just recognise that, and I like this quote, well-being is a root care or core essential. It is not an add-on. And often, what I'm working with leaders, I'm working with individuals, what we find is self-care is the first thing that we throw out of the window, when in actual fact, what we should be doing is upping the level of our self-care. And what this particular leader, what we went on to explore, was what actually um, he actually needed. And I remember the story that a a particular uh, therapist stroke coach, she is actually both, she was telling about a client that came into her office. And she thought her client was saying to her that she needed deep rest. But her client was saying to her she was depressed. But her intuition 
was telling her that what the client needed was deep rest. When we don't give ourselves time for us, absolutely often what the body will do, the body will have to kick in and the body will have to become the messenger and the communicator that tells us what we need. So this particular leader, what happened to them was they found themselves at their desk, they were trying to respond to all the emails, and what happened was they fell asleep. And they napped for 15 minutes. And when they woke up, they felt so much better. And we had a conversation about how could he create more space in over the weekend where he could actually give his body, regardless of all the things that there are, the, that are to do, the time to have that rest. And actually, research shows that the body clock will stay the same if you have short periods of napping. So there is value there in us doing that. So it just leads us to be thinking about, and this quote by Sarah Van Bretman, she says, perhaps we are all Scrooges when it comes to self-nurturing, because if we are kind to ourselves, our creativity might begin to blossom like a plant moving towards the light. At the heart of our self-care is where we actually access our creativity, this is, for me, the creativity is like the source to our inspiration. It is a source to spirit. When I know that I am nurturing my roots, when self-care is the, the, the root core, essential, I know that I am more mindful, I am more self-aware, I am more present. I have the ability to not li- listen at level two, which is what we describe in coaching and therapy as active listening, but I have that ability to go into what we call deep listening, which is where we attune ourselves and we align ourselves and we open ourselves to the five senses and we are able to be more intuitive. I'm sure we all have examples of where that intuition has been very, very present in either your therapy, your healing, and the work that you're doing with individuals on a one-to-one level. And I love that idea of the blossom tree because that is what happens when we feed our self-care, when we feed ourselves, when we nourish ourselves, when we constantly give us give back to ourselves. That is what we look like from the inside out. And it is an inside-out job. That impact of what we do on the inside resonates with our energy, our vibration, how, we, how people experience and feel us as we walk through our day from the very person that you're doing those one-to-one sessions with to the very person who's taking your money or your Oyster card when you get on the bus or the train, they all feel that vibration. So, some questions for you. You know, it is worth thinking about what does that word creativity mean to you? What does it mean for you to plant the seeds of your own creative world or terrain inside of yourself? And what would blossom inside, from the inside out? 
You know, I love the passion with which you talked about the flower essences. I thought we were going to have the workshop now. It was you, you, were, you were loving what you were talking about. And that is a sign that, in a way, what we are doing is we are being wholehearted. We are bringing all of who we are being to what we are doing. And often our creativity is a way for us to make that connection. Where and how could you be more creative in your work as therapists and counsellors? Those are some questions for you to think about. One of the questions I think that often stops us from making or creating more time, if that is our challenge, is that often what we think or we feel is that we have to have lots of time. And for me, what I've noticed is actually I feed myself so much better in between the cracks and the gaps in my day. So I can have five minutes when I put a bowl of uh, a a bunch of flowers in a vase and I allow myself to be more mindful. And that mindfulness opens up the quality of my awareness and the quality of my presence. So it doesn't have to be half an hour for meditation, but actually my invitation to you is to just see how you could have more, even more and more of pockets of those moments in your day where you are able to feed that creativity and feed your self-care. So just building on what I've talked about so far, I've said a little bit about the body. The body is an amazing communicator. It will tell us what we need in so, on so many different levels. Um, this Ayurvedic brochure that I had, um, I just picked it up when I went on holiday in Jamaica about four years ago. It says that the body has other ways of talking to us. It is as elemental as nature itself, like the look or feel of skin. You only need to listen. And often what we've done is we've disconnected from our bodies. We may be in our heads. And what's lovely about today is the beautiful array of workshops that you've got. Because when I looked at them, I was like, okay, Jackie, how can you be in all of them? And as a sister said to me this morning, maybe I need to be there in spirit in some of them. But actually, the body connection connects us to the emotions, to the the mind and to the spirit. And it's our connection and our relationship with our bodies and listening to the bodies that I feel brings us even stronger, more gracefully and more beautifully to our work. Gail Brandes, she's a a writer, she says, listen carefully, the wisdom that arises from the body is stunning. So the question is, what are your restorative niches? This comes from the work of a Harvard professor, his name is Brian Little, and when he talks about self-care, he created this term called restorative niches, and I love it. And this is one of mine, I know when I get good sleep, yeah, when I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, and I wake up at 6, that is good for me in terms of on all levels, (coughs) mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual, I love herbal teas. Give me a pot of jasmine tea. What's your favourite tea? What's your favourite drink? Lychee tea? Chamomile? 
Fennel, love fennel, green teas, ginger, lovely. I feel in the energy rising, yeah? So, you know, what is it? What are the simple things that nourish us? This, I cannot tell you how bathing, for me, returns me almost like to the womb. It's primal. If I need to cleanse and purify it's the most beautiful bath products. I make my own oils as well and bath salts and they go in the bath and that restores and replenishes me. Taking time out in nature. Taking time to be still. Just for a moment or two, for me, helps me recalibrate back <coughs> to myself. I told you I love trees. And I do, this is the kind of thing I do. If you look closely, Batsy Park, Hyde Park, Dulwich Park, you will see me there. <laughs> Five, 5.30, 6 o'clock. True. But the ancient and the Native Americans called trees a standing people. And there is so much wisdom that we can get when we step out into nature. It's the quickest and fastest way to restore your energy without you having to do much and there is an enormous amount of strength and energy that comes from trees but that's another workshop for another day let's just finish off with a couple of things that you might feel are a bit like leaning a bit more outside of what you might consider um, around um, self care but I just want to put it in the context of this um, I remember this quote that really resonated with me. From a, he's a, he's a, he was a consultant, and then he basically um, decided to find his right work. Because the consultancy, he realised his body was telling him that he wasn't doing the right work. And when he gave himself to his poetry, his, he became that cherry blossom tree. And his name is David White. He is a, is an Irish poet. And he said, he was having this conversation with a priest friend. And one day he said to him, what is the antidote to exhaustion? And of course, what do most people say? Rest. Yeah? Well, it was interesting what the priest's response was. The, the priest's response was, the antidote to exhaustion is not rest, but wholeheartedness. The idea is that when we align ourselves with what is true, then it's energizing, it's replenishing. When I'm doing my right work, like today, I couldn't wait to get in the car. I couldn't stop writing and thinking about what we would be, what I'm talking about, what we'd be focusing on. Energy is there. I had to take my goddaughter out yesterday. I got home really late. The energy was still there. Wholeheartedness is the antidote to exhaustion. A lot of the work that you're doing, people have misaligned themselves by not doing what is true for them. Mm-hmm. Tell you a, a conversation I overheard in my local library two days ago. Two students talking to each other, both African or African Caribbean, and one said to the other, you doing law now? And the other said, yeah, my dad bullied me into doing it. And I thought, that's why people end up coming to work with us, doing things that is not 
true. So, two things to take away. This idea, um, I'm a prolific journal writer, um, and I feel that in terms of self-care, when I have not been able to have therapy myself, and I've had a lot of therapy over the years, I've just finished 14 months of uh, one-to-one therapy once a week, journal writing has kept me here. By writing around my interior world, I have made a better sense of myself. And I'm not going to go through all of these, but all of these quotes speak to why journal writing makes a difference. If we can do this for ourselves, we are more likely to better hold that space for our clients, for the people that we work with, for the people that are in our lives that we love, support and want to nurture. So, we do not write in order to be understood. We write in order to understand. Bell Hawks, do you know the African-American feminist activist? Written some really good stuff. She says, in one of her books about writing, she says, it is those years of sustained journal writing that enabled me to find a voice. And if we think about our self-care, finding our voice is part of that. Being the pioneers is part of owning who you are and what that voice is. Susan Woolridge Woolridge says, I'm free inside myself to create my own beauty or to mess up. I explain with no one watching and it keeps me alive. Where are some of those places that we can go and allow ourselves to be ourselves? Ultimately, one person says, writing a journal is an act of self-love. That was Jackie Holder giving a talk on leadership and self-care at the 2013 Barton Conference. To find out more about Barton, please visit us at our website, where you can find out about our support for trainees, therapist workshops, how to become a member, and our online directory. Go to www.baatn.org.uk. You can also email me at eugene at baatn.org.uk. Please listen out for one of our next podcasts, but until then, goodbye. Goodbye.